So we did this thing yesterday. We did a first serve day. Come on, give it up for a church that does a serve day in general. Any type of serving is awesome. We did our first serve day, and we looked at what we could find in this county. And so we went to Nas Park in the city of O'Fallon, and we remulched. There's about 30 yards of mulch. I don't know if you know what a yard of mulch looks like, but 30 of it is a lot. And when you got six-year-olds helping you. And they had the wheelbarrows lined up, and they had the gloves ready for us. And, and we had a decent turnout for being our first one. We had an excellent turnout. Uh, we, we statistically did a phenomenal job. But what was so cool is the lady says, usually there's about double here that come do this, and you guys are the only to ever finish getting through all the mulch. Come on now. See, there's people out today because they're recovering from yesterday because they were hustling so hard. We drilled through, I mean, there was what, eight or nine adults? We drilled through 30 yards of mulch in two hours. That's pretty fast. It's pretty good. Not that it matters, but it's, it's always fun to be first. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of. So I thought that was cool. I thought, cool. I'm thinking, well, what do these other people do? Did they move the mulch? Like, it didn't feel that hard. It didn't feel that bad, did it? No, it was smooth. So that was really cool. So, uh, so yeah, definitely we're going to be doing those more. Serve days are a big thing because they bring the church to the community and they also bring a servant's heart to the church if they're not familiar with that. See, we're called to be servants, to, bear, to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And if we're, we're, we need to be fed, but eventually we have to also give, you know? give of our time, give of our strengths, our talents, our skills, anything we can offer, we, we try to give to the next person. It was really cool because we were in this neighborhood. It was a little bitty park. And people were going, thank you so much. And it, I'm like, why are they thanking us? And I realized because they were the neighbors that used the park. And so it was really neat because here's a church that isn't part of this park. We don't use the park. And they saw our effort. And that really made it special. Several people, thank you guys. Thank you for doing that. It was really neat. So I encourage you to Get in on one of those. Uh, maybe this fall we'll be doing another one. We'll try to do three or four a year. But today is Penti. Everybody say 50. Pentecost Sunday. What does that mean? Well, if you've been here the last few weeks, this is our fourth week in a row of this transformation series. It's the final week of our transformation series. And it's about God's transformation process a spiritual new birth that happened according to Jesus when he spoke to Nicodemus and into the book of Acts as it came to fruition, the birth of the church it's called. And um, the video was a transformation. I don't know if y'all caught the video. It was a transformation of my life in one way, but a whole bunch is not in the video. That was just to give you an idea of how much has changed and God wants to do the same in your life. But I mentioned this last week, and I'm going to mention it again, that you see, Pentecost is the 50th day after the Passover, the resurrected Christ. We call it Easter, but it was when the Passover took place. But in the New Testament, when Jesus died, he became the Passover lamb. That's why really it's Passover, except he became the lamb instead of a real lamb that everybody ate for the barbecue in the Old Testament. And 40 days after, so after the resurrection, Jesus tarried a while. He witnessed to over 500 for 40 days. And then it says he ascended. And so there was a 10-day gap from the time Jesus left those that he witnessed to after his resurrection until today. Pente, 50, the Pentecost. They call it Pentecost Sunday. It's now a tradition that churches acknowledge because it's the 50th day after the Passover. 
But what's so awesome about God and how he lines things up is I don't know the calendar of all the holidays. I have to look them up last minute because I just don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. I've got a spreadsheet, and if it's not on there, I don't really know when it is. And this is two years in a row this has happened. I'm not pulling your leg. I'm not blowing something up, but this is, I'm a skeptic on most things, and this is two years in a row. God has done something amazing. Last year, I gave my testimony about the baptism of the Holy Spirit when it fell on my life. I was 25 years old, and it was a sermon called The Gateway for Change, and it fell on Pentecost Sunday, and I had not planned it that way, but it fell on Pentecost Sunday, the same experience that happened the first time in Acts. It happened the same Sunday. So that was so crazy to me. I was scratching my head just like the infilling of the Holy Ghost itself. I was scratching my head going, no, I I can't. That can't be right. That can't be right. I know it's what the scripture says, but that can't be for my life because that can't happen to me. But when I was 25, something was happening, Nate, that I couldn't explain. And I kept telling myself, no, that can't be right. But I don't really get hyped up. I don't get worked up into a frenzy. No, God is doing something in my, my, my body right now, and I don't know. And I began to speak in a new tongue on my 25th year of life, and something changed in my life. I'm not just throwing that out there. I'm trying to tell you that God did something that I I was not really, it wasn't my thing, but God said, God says, I'm going to shake you up, boy. If you want everything I've got, I'm going to transform you. And today is the day. So what happened was I gave that message last year on, on Pentecost Sunday. And it was just a coincidence, the gateway for change. And so this year, this whole series is on the same topic. We preach it about once a year. We, we don't preach it every Sunday, uh, but we, we wanted to talk about the scriptures and let you guys have the scriptures. And this sermon series was supposed to be about six weeks ago. I said, Michelle, we need to move it till after Easter. There's people coming into Easter. They don't really understand Acts because we're, we're going to Teach them about the resurrection first so they understand the flow. See, if you don't understand the flow of the scripture, it's not going to make sense. If you don't know the context of the audience and the conversations and why they were said when and there and this, you're going to draw conclusions that may be not accurate and they're going to skew your perception of what God can do. And so we moved it and then out of, uh, so the fourth series fell on today, Pentecost Sunday again. What's up with that? Is that God or something? I mean, I didn't do it. Come on now. God is doing things. And if it's new to you, and I'm not the kind of guy that just knocks people over, I blow on them and they fall over. I don't do that kind of stuff. I know God can do it, but that's not my thing. So when I say this is crazy that God did this two years in a row, I'm telling you, God did something. Okay? I don't, I don't need to blow smoke. I just want to blow the truth. And the truth will set you free. So anyway, all that to say, two years in a row. (laughs) Here we are. See, oh man, this is a part of the word that people don't want to talk about. And it's the best part. It's the meat. You take away the meat, you become anorexic in your word. Okay? You can't be eating some rice cakes all the time. You need some meat that's going to feed you and send you into the heavens. Get rid of the tradition. Go to the word. Well, I don't know because I it expired and all this thing. It says who? No one. It says some guy who didn't understand. That's who says that. I took an I took a I took an oath to the Lord. I said, 
This church has to be transparent with the scripture. I said, if they don't like me for giving them the scripture, I can live with that. But I can't sleep at night if I don't give the scripture. It was on my heart for like a decade. So I said, that's what it's got to be. And that's what I'm going to do. And so I pray that this roots in your heart today. Because the greatest revelations, everybody say revelation. God will give you in your walk will be the ones you can't explain to others. Okay, you can't explain something that God gave you until they experience for themselves. I try that and they look at you funny and they will. And that's okay because you got a witness. And when you got the witness, you don't need anybody else to tell you what you think because you've got the witness yourself. You pray for them that they will receive his witness, but you can't explain them. It's changed you so dramatically. The only way they can understand what you're talking about is when they experience the same for themselves. I can't speak today. God doesn't expect us to understand and, and, and you know, articulate everything and process it and put, a, put an equation around it and everything has to be calculated. He doesn't understand. He doesn't want us to understand everything he does in our life because, in fact, he desires us to be more faithful so that he can do the unexplainable in our life. When he is Lord of our life. When he's Lord of your life, that means he is the way, the truth, and the life. I follow him. He is my source. He is my strength. He is Lord and in control of this ship is what that means. When Jesus is Lord of your life, I always reference Lazarus because it was such a crazy miracle. I mean, the guy came out stanky wrapped in linen, you know. It was not explainable. And if our mind had to verify how that could happen, then it probably would not be believable. But when they just saw it happen, they didn't know. They, I don't know. I don't know. But I know who. And that's all that matters. And that's what they knew because he was trying to show them that he was the resurrection in that miracle. So it's the same here. Experience the unseen and the supernatural power of God by taking a step in your faith. It takes seeking. It takes steps. God's not going to slap you down with a lightning bolt. If you want everything God has for you, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. So we're going to get back in this word. But just to recap where we've been is we talked about repentance three weeks, three weeks ago. That's to a heart that has turned from their, their fleshly ways and turned towards God. It says, God, I, I, I want your forgiveness, Lord. Forgive me for my sins, God. I follow you now. It's a turned heart. It's a cutting of the heart. The Bible says it. It's when now you have, you have that word planted in you and you are following Christ. And then we talked about see, all this stemmed from Nic Nicodemus and Jesus talking in John 3. And Jesus says you must be born of water and the Spirit. So we talked about repentance into born of water because Nicodemus was inquiring about the new birth and he just didn't understand what this new birth thing was, talking about the spiritual transformation process that God wants to give us all. And he was forecasting to the book of Acts, but Nicodemus was thinking right then in the, in the, in the sensual thing. And so he was confused about being born again. So Jesus says you must be born of the water and the Spirit. And when you're born of the water, it's the remission 
remission of sin. You are cleansed by the word. You are cleansed by the blood. When you go down to the water, we have cleansed you of all that stuff. Not only did I forgive you, but it's gone. It never happened. So I've been baptized in the name of Jesus because not only is it a cleansing and a public, public profession of my faith to my peers, but it's also who I follow, whose name I'm baptized in is the name that I follow. Okay? So then we got into week three, which was spirit-filled. Ooh, ooh, spooky. No, it's not spooky, man. It's the word, and God will change you when you embrace the word. Uh. Anyway, so we got into born of the spirit that Jesus himself said to Nicodemus, you must be born of water and the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. So last week we went into those passages that Jesus was forecasting. He says, well, how do you know? Nicodemus says, how do you know that you will be born of the spirit? He says, you will hear it like the wind blows. Such is the Holy Spirit. You don't know where it comes or where it goes to, but you hear something. Something happens when the spirit takes action because when the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit, it's when God is taking action. And everywhere the Holy Holy Spirit is mentioned in the scripture. It said the spirit fell on them. It said it moved like a mighty rushing wind. It said it did things. And that's what people don't understand. It's action. God in action. That's simple. It's God taking action. So last week we, uh, we went to Acts and we, on the day of Pentecost, we, we read what happened. This was the first outpouring of the Spirit of God. God told the apostles and the disciples to go and wait for a sign before you go do the Great Commission because you need no manuscript, but you need my power to, greet, to teach them the gospel. How will you know what to give if I don't have it in you? And he says, go wait for a sign, and that's what they did. They didn't know what he was talking about, so they went, and they waited in what's called the upper room. The initial move was 120 people, and then it spread quickly. To recap those verses before we get into verse 5 here. We'll recap verse 1 through 4 last week where it says Acts 2, 1 through 21. And you don't have these, Debbie, these first four. I'm just going to recap. When the day of Pentecost in verse 1 had fully come, they were all with one mind, in one accord, in one place. And suddenly, everybody say, suddenly, there came a sound sound. God spoke. God moves. There's a sound. You will hear, he said to Nicodemus. There is a sound like the wind blows. I can't see the wind, but I can hear it. God's good. He knows what he's doing. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a ruddy, rushing, mighty wind. That's what he said to Nicodemus. It'd be a wind. And here we are, a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled. Everybody say, it filled the whole house with where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as like a fire sitting upon each of them. They had this like fire thing they could see. It was almost like a visual thing that was like upon them. They could see something was upon them. And as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. What does that mean? Isaiah said, they shall speak with a stammering tongue. The Spirit gives the utterance. What does that mean? It's when you have a burden and you can't pray deep enough, and God gets in you deep enough, you're just going to want to praise in a way that words just, I don't know, God. I don't have it, God. I don't know. So I just want to praise, and I just shout Jesus, whatever I've got to do. And that's when the, the Bible says the Spirit makes intercession for our infirmities. That's why we need it. It's a gift, but we need it. And when the Spirit is in us, it starts making accession, intercession to pray for what we know not, to pray for. That's later in the epistles, it, it, or Acts, I don't even... I don't remember where it's at, but the Bible says the Spirit makes intercessions. 
for the infirmities we don't know how to pray for. It's when you don't have words, God's going to pray in another way. And the utterance is the, it's like the supply. Here you go. Here I am. Here I am. And as you begin to praise, God transforms us in what the scripture calls glossolalia, or language. The utterance is the supply and the language forms naturally in praise. That's why praise is so important because you need the spirit of God to pray on a deeper level. And some of you say, I've never done that. That's okay. But the Bible says that the spirit makes intercession for when we know what not to pray for, for our infirmities. Our infirmity is like our setbacks, our, our things that are so heavy. This, this, this situation is so heavy. I don't have words to put around it. All I can do is sit there and say, God, please. It's another level of prayer. That's why you need it, why you walk this earth, too. That's why you need it in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, to enter my kingdom. You must be fully transformed. So today we're at verse 5. We're getting to what the people thought of this when it happened. It's not a whole lot different than today. Crazy. It was weird, man. They've been drinking. They said, no, it's only 9 in the morning. Who drinks? Well, you know. Some of y'all, but most people wouldn't be drinking that early. They're not drunk. This is that, says the prophet Joel. Verse 5, the crowd's response when this first outpouring happened. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, not only Jews, but devout men from every nation. And when this sound, see they heard something, occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. I mean, can you imagine? It's a little weird. I gotta say, I'd be, I'd be going, mm, oh, I, I got to go. I get it. But this is God's word. This is not my word. This is not my thing. This is God's thing. <laughs> when the sound occurred, the multitude, verse 6, came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Okay, so picture this. The Galileans were the Jews, okay? They spoke Galilean slang. They didn't speak Egyptian. They didn't speak all those other nations that were there. But when they spoke out, when the, when the, when the spirit came pouring out, out of the belly flowed a river of living water, out came this speaking in another language, and all the other nations could understand what they were saying in their native tongue. It's crazy. So they understood the marvelous works God was doing because they were actually speaking that something God was speaking through the Jews that only the other nations could understand because the Jews didn't know what they were saying because it was an unknown tongue. It's crazy. But God does crazy things. Remember when he confused their language at the Tower of Babel because they were trying to conspire against him to, to form an idol and a tower up to the heavens and he confused their language there because they all understood. He says, you guys are going to form a plot against me? I'm going to scatter your languages. Well, guess what? In the New Testament, he brought them all back together as one unified language through the infilling of the Spirit. That's prophetic. That is prophetic. And if you know your Old Testament, that's what God does. He does a loopsy-loopsy on everything. He'll take the old and he'll reveal it back in the new and he'll bring it back together. It's awesome. I feel it. Goosebumps. Anyway, it's probably dehydration. See? See, you just tell yourself, that's no, not God. It's, it's dehydration. It's all that mulch. <laughs> so when this happened, verse 7, they, the other nations, were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak 
from Lake St. Louis? How they know Rush? What? What's wrong with them? They've been drinking. <laughs> we're not all the Galilean. How is that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? How can that be? It can't be. There's no hooked on whatever classes, you know. What's the, the lady who teaches the language classes on computer software? There's phonics, but there's the, there's the one program, you know, the lady. I don't know. That's so, so detailed. They didn't have that. So no one could pick up Russian like that on YouTube. Two days. They didn't have that. The other nations were, verse 9, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Proselyte is a new convert to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our tongue or language the wonderful works of God. So they're all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? See, they weren't there when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus knew what it was. He's going, oh, light bulb, I get it. Okay. Up until that point, he was confused. What does this mean? Others, mocking, said, they're, they're drunk, full of new wine. That's what they said. But Peter, Peter, you know, Peter was bold. He was kind of the big mouth. He didn't always know what to say, but he was willing to say something if he had to. He was, he was rebellious. He said, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, it's morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, Joel 2.28. And it shall come to pass in the last days, say God, that I will pour out my spirit on flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Your, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall speak prophetically. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire, vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness. He's talking about the last days in this prophecy from Joel. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's going to happen for you. If you seek God, he will save you from the trenches. But you have to seek God. And when you call, you have turned. And now I'm following. I have gave you a call, God. But I just, I just didn't answer the call when you called me back. I just gave you a call and said, that's good enough. God says, no, I want to meet you at Starbucks now. Now I want to have a coffee with you. Now I want to get to know you. Now I want to root my seed, my seed in your heart, my word in your heart. So you come forth and I'm going to give you this gift that you need to handle your life. You can't handle it. I don't know why. MC Hammer just popped in my head. You know, it's all good. Mm -mm -mm. No, it's not. It's not always all good. That was post popcorn pants, MC Hammer, when they called him Hammer. No MC, no popcorn pants. He was, became the thug. I had the cassette. I jammed it all the way to New Orleans once. Hammer don't hurt him. No, no. It's all good. And I don't know, like Boys to Men or something. 13 hours, two songs. I mean, it's getting old pretty quick. 
You shall be saved when you call upon the name of the Lord. You shall. These things will happen to you, and it shall happen to you, and these signs shall follow on and on and on. You will hear something on and on. God is constantly speaking in a forward prophetic way that says, as you seek me, I'm just going to give you all these things that you need from me. You need these things, but I'm going to give them to you. Who's glad that God is willing to give them these things? You don't have to earn nothing. Come on now, somebody. Aren't you glad God is willing to give you everything that he knows you need for your life? Come on, give him a round of praise if you believe what I'm saying. Come on. It will happen. You'll hear something. It's a journey, not a moment. It's a walk, not a moment. It's a walk. The title of my sermon I know John, he bailed a long time ago. I'm way over. <laughs> I said, John, keep playing till the scripture's over. I didn't tell him it'd be like 30 minutes of talking. <laughs> Just mess with you, John. Anyway, this is spirit-filled part two. And God desires to transform you. This is the last week we'll be talking about this for a while. Next week, we're going into a new sermon on the book of Philippians. It's a four-week look at the book of Philippians. It's actually a very short book. It's four chapters. So that'll be a cool one for us to kind of go together through week by week, in more of an expository kind of way to, um, to understand that. But God desires to transform you, and it takes a little bit of irrational faith. See, tradition, tradition will stop you from faith that you can't explain. Tradition will stop you from going where God wants to take you. And I'm not saying get crazy, but it takes irrational faith, faith that doesn't understand how to centralize what happened, just like Lazarus, that's what happened here. They're they accusing him of being drunk. And in the world, rational is good, but with God, it can prohibit the supernatural. When I've been touched by God in a supernatural way, I can't explain it, but I felt it. I was there. I witnessed it. And so can you, and many of you have. They've just been drinking. We take God's experience and we confine it to our understanding. And if it doesn't jive with that, we say, it's not for me. See ya. It's in the word, but I'm gonna just going to exfoliate that word out of my spiritual skin. I'm just going to exfoliate that part because it doesn't really go with what I want to live my life, the way I want to live it. But God says if he can't control everything, he's not really controlling you. You are. So you have to give full control. And the only way God can give full control is if he takes you on a level that you can't explain. Actions reveal change and supernatural change is displayed by supernatural action. It's all over acts. I'm going to give you more. Can I give you some more? This is not my word. I want to give you so much word that you go, man, I, I didn't know that. That word, it's, it's all over. The Spirit makes intercession. And God will leave you speechless sometimes. That's when he gives you more. When he can silence you, because you're... That's when the revelation happens. Because you can't explain it. And the enemy desires you to omit the gospel. We can play church and we can do all that stuff and we can look really good. But at the end of the day, if you don't got the word in your heart, it's a done deal. We got to get the word in people's hearts and let God give the increase. We got to plant that seed. God wants to transform you. The word is our blueprint. This is our foundation. 
Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I don't believe it. Just like wind. I don't get wind, but I believe it because I see what it touches and I see what happens to that which it touches. And I hear it and on and on. I can no longer control my life. It's time for God to take control of my life. Everybody tell yourself, take control, God. It's time, God. Take control. I need a leader. I can't be a leader no more. I need a leader. Everybody needs a leader. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is to lead and guide us in all truth. The Spirit of God, it roots inside of us. In order to become part of the body, you have to have the DNA. In order for there to be a DNA, there has to be a conception of the Word. And when that baby is born, you got a new creation, baby. The new creation. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. You will be born again. A new creation in me, he was saying. I can't be a vessel until I'm equipped with the captain. I can't be the captain. You need a leader. You need a leader. Quit looking in the mirror and saying, there's my leader. I need a leader that's everywhere, that's omnipotent, that's omniscient, that has no counselor. He is the alpha and the omega. I need that leader to steer my ship. And this is a gift. God wants to give you his spirit. It's a gift. We don't have to earn it, but we do need it, the Bible says. We are leading ourselves without it. When God is your leader, you will stay on the path to righteousness. And the best, the best thing T.D. Jake said at best is, is, well, they had the Holy Spirit and they sinned too. Yeah, but God will put a hook in their mouth and he'll yank them right back on course to the path to righteousness when they do. Because God is in them and God reminds them of where they've been and where they need to go. And will keep drawing them to lead them to all truths. The Spirit is the leading guidance to all truths. That's why we need the Spirit to lead and guide us. We're all going to make mistakes. Oh, it's getting better here. I got a little congestion here. Excuse me. So I'll have a mulch. <laughs> when God is your leader, you will stay on track. If I don't have a strong leader, my house won't stand. You got to have a rock to build your house on. I must decrease, Paul said, for him to increase. In order to be strong in me, him, I have to be weak of myself. What shall we do? The people there said, okay, Peter, what shall we do? We've seen it. We don't understand. What shall we do? You need the Holy Ghost according to the word. That's what we need to lead and guide us. Baptism by water to cleanse remission of sin from the old to the new. And now I need to baptism by the spirit, the born of the spirit. This is really cool. Let's watch this. Watch this. Acts 10 real quick, okay? See, this was the outpouring of the spirit on the Jews. And, and the Jews thought, well, the Gentiles, non-Jew, can't get this because they're dogs, man. They eat the crumbs from my table. That's what the Jews thought. Till Acts 10. Let's go there real quick. Um, Acts 10. Verse 44 through 48. See, there was an Italian man. I bet he had some good food up in his house named Cornelius. And he had a dream that Peter, the apostle, should come to his house and preach the word to his, his friends and family. And so what's really weird is he had this dream. This is, this is several chapters later in Acts later. As he's having this dream, Peter has a dream also that he should feed the dogs. He should, he should give more than crumbs to the dogs. 
that, that God's meat is for everybody. So what that was is a revelation that he's supposed to preach the good news to the Gentiles. So watch this. So we saw what happened in Acts 2, okay? Now, Peter says, it's not just for them. It's for the Gentiles. In Acts 10, at Cornelius' house, verse 44 says, so he started preaching the word to them because God gave him the dream. He says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell, fell on them. It moved on all those who heard. You have to hear something to know when God is moving. They heard something in order for something to fall on them. It said it fell on those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, meaning the Jews who believed, were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's what it says in verse 46. They heard something. God's going to give a sign when something supernatural happens. It's not just a thing that we think, well, this is good, it's good and everything. But God is not going to withhold something from you, and he wants to give you a sign. And when they saw that happen to the Gentiles, that was a game changer. You don't understand. They do not hang with the Gentiles. And when Peter saw this, and it fell on them too, God says he loves them the same. He loves them the same. They're, they're black, we're white, they're Jewish, we're Chinese. They, they love us. He loves us all the same. Game changer. It's because God loves all people the same. He won't withhold any gift from anybody who seeks. Anybody who seeks, he will not withhold. And so when they saw that happen, they were like, oh, Lord, conviction. I've been withholding. So Peter said, get this. Get this real quick. This is good. This is deep right here, okay? Can anyone forbid water? That they should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked them to stay a few days. See, they knew this was a separate experience. This was not this. This was the remission of sin. They said, these, these Gentiles, the outpouring of the Spirit fell on them. We didn't even think God loved them, let alone he fill them with their spirit and make them part of the, part of the marriage and part of the bride. But who should forbid water now that we, we have to baptize them just like we? Because then we saw them get the Spirit. We heard them speak with tongues. So they baptize them also. See, they're different, but they work together. Born of water and the Spirit is together. It's the transformation process. People think it's the same thing. It's clearly not scripturally the same thing. It's all over. They heard, they saw, then they went and baptized them in the name of Jesus because they knew they could not withhold God's people. Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, that they were asked him to stay a few days and have some donuts. So he baptized them, had some donuts, and he went back to Judea. Make me new, God. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. I want it, God. I want everything you have for me. And I know all I got to do is ask. If we want to set a supernatural move of God, we have to believe in the power of God's word to be able to move in a supernatural way. God gives a sign when things happen. According to scripture, they began to speak as the spirit gave them the utterance. We jump back to Acts 2 now. Remember, they're like, what shall we do? They saw this. They didn't understand what was going on. Rightfully so, because it was weird. Acts 2.36, 
through 39. Peter speaking, therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. You guys killed him. He made him both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut. Remember the cutting of the heart? They were cut to the heart, it says. See, now the word got in them. Now God can do something. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brothers, what shall we do? Then Peter said, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. It's for the Gentiles, it's for the Jews, it's for all nations. These things shall happen to you when you seek, I will give them to you. It's that easy. That's why you see in other countries, you see little kids, man, just boom, the baptism of the Holy Ghost all over. It's crazy. It's little bitty kids because they're starving for God and they just have faith that he will. That's it. That's it. They don't rationalize it. They don't go to Google. They don't know how to get on the computer because they're locked from it for parental control. They don't even have a computer. They don't have anything but some crackers, maybe some water. And they're starving for God. So God is moving in a way that we don't see here because we're more comfortable. And I'm the same way. But over there, it's just a wave of God because the people are seeking. That's the difference. They're not better people. They're not more educated. Definitely not. They're hungry. They're seeking. When God redeems your life, you will desire to praise him on another level. And until that happens, it's just all weird. I agree. But weird's not always bad. It's pretty weird, some of the stuff Jesus did when he was spitting on his hands and making people out of dirt and bringing ribs from a man and making a woman and healing blind eyes and raising stanky bodies from the dead and all these things and making people speak in tongues. That's so weird, man. Yeah, it is weird, but God does weird things because it's weird beyond our senses because we don't get it. But I believe my God in his word. Let your praises raise the roof because God will transform your praise. You don't know what to pray for? Just praise him. That's why we preach praise. Just pray. Come on, just pray. That's why I'm always, just praise him. Because God will give the increase when you open up the floodgates for it to flow. And out of your belly will flow rivers, it says. Jesus, let your children's spiritual eyes and ears be open. Heavy way, God. If y'all could stand with me. As we end on this Pentecost Sunday, this transformation series, I pray, God, that this word rooted in our hearts, that we see things new, just like you'd have us to be. And that we use your word to lead and guide us. You can't separate, we can't separate you from your word. I can't separate what I'm saying from me and say my word said that. I said that if it came out of my mouth. When you speak, it is you. One seed at a time. And God, we know you want to transform us. Can we start playing that song? You got to get down to the bare bones with God sometimes. 
Get rid of all the flashy lights. Flashy lights. Yeah, I know that song too. Because I, I like that music too. But you got to get rid of all of it sometimes. You got to get down to the bare bones. Put yourself where they were to get the context of what God was speaking and why he was saying it. And when you have nothing left to pray, you can just pray that there is power in Jesus. If you let the Spirit draw near to you, He will. He wants to make you new today. I challenge you. It's just a challenge. It's like a pinky, you know. There's no money on the line. I challenge you to take a step today with your praise and just give him your praise and let him move in your life. If y'all want to sing this with us, we're going to praise our God.